Welcome again to the Heads Up Podcast. In this episode, I'm speaking with John Andrus, the former pro player who had a career in England with clubs like Exeter, Worcester and Edinburgh, and domestic clubs here in Ireland like Munster and Connacht. He now runs Edge Rugby Management in Belfast, and in this episode, we discuss his thoughts on concussion and professional rugby. Thanks very much for, for coming on. No problem, no problem, pleasure. John, if, if you don't mind, uh, would you just, I suppose, give me an overview of your career, where where you played, and I guess then the, the eventual reasons for your retirement out of the sport itself? Yeah, so we started off the normal pathway, uh, Irish under-19s, Ireland 21s. was in the Irish Academy, based up at Ulster with Sinai, and got a two-year Ulster contract, senior contract. Wasn't really getting anywhere there. Uh, myself and Lewis Stevenson, who was a second row at the time, decided, you know, we wanted to, we thought we were good enough to be playing, but we weren't getting a crack of the whip. So we decided to go across to Exeter Chiefs at the time who we were in the championship. Um, spent two seasons there in the champ and uh, had a bit of interest to actually go to Munster or go back to Ulster. But uh, Dean Richards came in from Harlequin, so... The two of us went there for, uh, ended up there for two seasons. Unfortunately, we signed under Dino and all the bloodgate scenario happened and, and he left that summer. Mm. But like it was a good two years. Conor O'Shea came in, we won the Amlin. I'd been in contract negotiations to go back to Ulster and that fell through at a late date and I ended up going back to Exeter. Um, spent the season there, um, really enjoyed it. was probably playing my best rugby and Worcester came in. Looking back, probably from a, rugby point of view should have stayed at Exeter but suppose you think your career could end at any time and if you've had a couple injuries or, or seen the other side of rugby you know I, so I, I took the money and went to Worcester uh, spent two seasons there which I didn't overly enjoy for various reasons but obviously we were stuck in a relegation battle the second season I was there and they went down and a former coach of mine Alan Solomons came mm. in and brought me to Edinburgh I really enjoyed the two years there with, with a good pack and a lot of the youngsters now that you see playing like Hamish Watson, Magnus Bradbury, Jimmy Ritchie, you know, even the Grand Kilchrist, Ben Toulouse, like a lot mm. of these Scotland players were coming through at the time. And yeah, it was great to play with them. And then eventually signed for the late Anthony yeah. Foley at Munster. Rassi came in. To be fair to him, he was fairly honest, mate. I wasn't really in his plans. And um, then ended up in Con- uh, Connacht as injury cover for the last five matches of my career, but which I enjoyed too, getting to see Pat Lamb operate. Mm. It was a good insight actually into seeing some of the top coaches operate. Like you get to see the likes of Baxter, Pat Lamb, Rassi, so or Alan Solomon. So mm. it, was a, it was good in that aspect. Yeah, it was uh, like this. As you say, you 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 experienced a lot of uh, not very high quality coaching. I know you're a, you, you had a bit of bad luck in Munster. I, I think there was some sort of persistent calf injury or something you just couldn't shake, if memory serves me correctly. No, no I, I had, a, in fairness, I had grade four arthritis in my right knee. Okay. So early early in my career, I'd had two knee operations to remove my cartilage and my lateral meniscus. Mm. And um, I think just 
keeping playing and training I, I'd worn it down and it was mm. at the point where obviously you couldn't perform the same way you could when you were younger yeah. athletically yeah <laughs> But that, still like, have the mind. Yeah, this, that's that's the thing, isn't it? But the old, the old body just wants to cave in, but the, the head is fine. But um, from from your own point of view, like what what were the kind of you saw a lot of cultures, I guess you know mm. from, from from your career. Like what what were the kind of main kind of pros and cons associated with with uh, professional rugby? I mean, the pros are obviously you're getting to achieve a dream, playing from the crowds. You know, it's something that you love. You get to play with guys who are like-minded, train with them each day, have a bit of crack. You know, you're getting the best training, top-level S&C. You know, you have unbelievable facilities. You're reasonably well. You're well-paid when you get to a certain level. Mm. But in comparison to footballers now and maybe what you put your body through, not so much. But, yeah, you are well-paid. How's your body now? I mean, you were saying your your knee is a bit of a train wreck by the sounds of things, but like, how how are you? I mean, how how's how's the body? Any kind of long term effects after after playing? Yeah, well, I had neck surgery in two thousand and fourteen. Uh, bilateral stenosis, which is bone growth of mm. both the discs on the C six C seven. So they went in and trimmed it. I don't know whether it's just a short term to get you back, but in the long term, I'll be honest, my neck now does bother me. Like mm. I'll, I'll wake up and days, it's, I'll get pains down my arms or mm. pins and needles in my arms or maybe loss of sensation. And my scalp's quite cramped up at times. Okay. So the knee's probably not as sore as it was when yeah. I was playing and training because just you learn to do things that aren't going to affect it as much. So from that point of view, it's not as bad but yeah no the neck would still bother me but okay. all the other aches and pains aren't too bad yeah you're, you're, you're managing away you're still you're still a young fella as I say you know but, uh, <laughs> yeah don't feel it <laughs> <laughs> but like just to, to to talk about concussion a little bit John I mean like did you experience concussion you know, throughout your playing career diagnosed or undiagnosed do you think yeah yeah no I would I would have yeah I would have experienced it and like from, um, from from that point of view, like I mean, how would you how would you kind of um, discuss or how would you describe a concussion to somebody else or what kind of symptoms you know did you personally experience in, in, in your own playing career? I mean, I got different types of one. I got one where I was knocked out cold for twenty thirty seconds and then came up from it, and then I would get delayed concussion as well, where I've got a whack, you know, felt a bit spaced out or saw stars. Mm. Could play on and remember everything, but then after the game, I couldn't look up and okay. I was being quite violently sick, you know, vomiting and things. So okay. I um, experienced a few different types of concussion. Yeah, to like be the, honest, I mean the I guess the one we associate most with is 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 the knockout is the one where where, where the player is gone. Um, I'm just interested maybe to get your thoughts on the ones that you I suppose the the sub concussive type hits that you. As you say, you saw stars, and then you managed to to continue on playing. I just, I, I think that there's quite a lot of times in rugby matches. To be fair, that you will get that sort of sometimes like a deja vu feeling, like mm. oh, I've seen this before, or this mm. Christ, or you'll get that you know starry feeling, mm. and it's fine. Like you feel you can play on in your ground after the game. So it was pretty similar with the delayed concussions, just an incident like that. But then after. You, you really didn't feel good at all. Okay. I mean, it's not something that you thought to flag on the pitch. 
Right. Okay. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's just it's just an interesting one because you know sometimes it, the accumulation of those kind of hits can you know can can bring on those kind of effects. You know. Yeah. Like as as a professional rugby player, did you feel in that instance that you that you weren't knocked out with those sub, those sub concussive hits that you had to kind of stay playing that you had a responsibility to stay in the game. Yeah, I did, yeah. Okay. I suppose I, when I initially came through rugby, you know, you're out of school, I was out of school in 2002, you're in senior rugby environments where it was just get up and get on with it. Right. Um, so that was the mindset you developed. Um, you probably thought you'd have been getting a bit of a slagging after if you went yeah. off for that or, yeah. or you'd let your teammates down. So, okay. yeah, you just got on with it. You know, You've been used to people telling you, like, there's nothing wrong with it, it's nothing to worry about. As you say, you, you experienced a couple of different kinds. Were there the same types of symptoms that you felt from the knockout ones as opposed to the, the, the subconcussive ones? No, weirdly, like, yeah. the, the knockout ones, I was completely out of it at the time. Mm. Like, you know, you know, it would take you a while to come round. So later in my career, they had the... You know the testing, the yeah. balance test, and the scatter, whatever they call it. And mm. I could, I couldn't pass it. But then, weirdly enough, I wasn't vomiting, and right. I, I didn't feel too bad later on. Like, mm. yeah, mm. it wasn't as, it wasn't as bad. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure if people had tested me or got me to write or do more, te- I wouldn't have been very good. But I didn't feel that bad physically. Okay. In terms of sickness or anything. Okay, yeah, it's just a, it's just an interesting, I suppose, categorization of, of of the two. To be honest, um, from from your own point of view, do you think if you had, or not just yourself, but other people, if you have one concussion, you may be prone to more concussions. You may be kind of at risk. Mine were pretty spaced out, like mm. so they were over the course of my career. So for me personally. I didn't, fortunately, that didn't happen to me, mm. but I could see how it's, uh, you know, that I could, you know, I could keep happening. And I have heard, I've heard stories from people that, you know, once they kept getting concussed, it, not, it took very little to get them concussed again. Okay. So. okay. Yeah. Um, in terms of your own symptoms, how long did they last? I mean, from, from your both categories and the knockout to the, to the subconscious ones? The truth, like it's very hard to tell because mm-hmm. in my early career, I didn't even report someone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just got back to training and play. Um, didn't didn't sit and think about it. Just got on mm-hmm. with it. Like, and I, I mean, I wasn't a guy who was very good at being in touch with his body. Like when I was younger, especially, I'd, I'd grown up with my grandfather was a doctor, but he's also a farmer, and it was always sweet FA wrong you get on with it so yeah. you, you kind of get into the mindset of just not thinking about things too much okay. um, but when they did bring like testing in and things you you realised oh god I'm not quite right here mm. or if you were in bright light in a room you pick up on it more so mm. later in my career I could identify when I wasn't quite right but it was more you know you absolutely need the testing in there to tell you because otherwise I would have struggled to say it off the way I felt because, okay. I mean, I would have, the delayed concussions would have been sick after, maybe felt a bit ropey the next day, but mm. then I would have been fine. And with the knockouts, I didn't feel too bad mm. after. Because I know other people have sore heads for sustained periods and don't feel right and that, but I, I, I didn't get that. Like. Okay. For the, for the big concussions, shall we call them, 
Did you ever have a CT scan or what kind of medical attention did you particularly get? Just got treatment on the field straight away yeah. and brought in to perform the as it all off field test yeah. to, to see if you could go back on and then we checked you on the Monday. You did I can't remember, it was some sort of computer exam thing. Mm. And then they gradually checked your symptoms or your return to play protocol, mm-hmm. is it? Mm-hmm. You do little things like as you build up, you can do twenty minutes on a bike and then light weights and things like that. So, but n- n- nothing like a CT scan. Okay. Um. From um. Again, from say, uh, your own experience as a player, or say with, with fellow professionals, did any of them experience any kind of like emotional disruption post concussion? Some of the stuff you might hear be locked in a room for a couple of days. Yeah, I would have. I I got him. I had a very good friend of mine had to retire early doors I mean he was an exceptional player he could have gone on to do great things but mm. he ended up with post-concussion syndrome he'd had repeated head knocks wasn't reporting them mm. he actually played for a season where he had vertigo mm. and was vomiting after matches I mean mm. tough as nails but I mean it was probably to his detriment like. mm. but he, he would have his girlfriend at the time would have said to my wife that he was yeah, very emotional up and down and he was staying in dark room and things so, mm. yeah no I've, I've heard of that okay where we're at now i mean what's what's your kind of your own personal attitude towards it have, have we have we gone very far you know overly protective are we somewhere in the middle or do we have a, a fair bit to go yet i mean where, where's your what's your attitude on that one i think it's such a it's such a difficult subject because you're relying on a guys being totally honest mm. uh, and I'm not saying that in a negative way but there'll be guys that want to play on regardless and will say they're fine so you know it's some of the stuff you're feeding backs you're totally relying on the guys honesty mm-hmm. I think that I mean it's far better now than it was mm. it's different systems too because in the premiership when when I noticed as a player, you are paid by the club to play. Mm-hmm. The pressure's on the director of rugby to win because of relegation and playoffs and top six, etc. Your medical staff is basically subservient to your DUR, so they have mm-hmm. to keep him happy. So there's a a pressure there that you don't have in Scotland or Ireland because they're owned by the international bodies. Mm-hmm. And the the physio staff, the medical staffs, all paid by the SRU or the IRFU. So mm. there's a different pressure in the Premiership, and you feel that as a player too. Yeah, very interesting point. I mean, uh, kind of leads on to the next next piece. I just like to ask you in terms of you know your own on field management of say clearly when you were knocked out, you were knocked out. So identification was very very clear. So what's your thoughts on just your own experience of identification and removal, like was it was it consistent across the clubs that you played for? I think it wasn't consistent across rugby for the time I played. Darter rugby um, of my journey, it was very much just let them get on with it. It wasn't a big issue. If he's fine to get up and play, he's fine. When people were more aware of concussion and, and the damage it could cause, I would say across the board, the medical staffs were quick. And um, identifying it and getting on the field, and you know, there's even times where I myself have tried to deny a hard one, mm. or other players have seen wanted to stay on the pitch. So mm. I would say, yeah, they're pretty hot in the heels of it now. But and they were probably the last 
I would say from about 2000 and 2011 onwards, yeah. if I'm right, thinking ahead. Interested just on the difference you saw between Premiership and uh, the SRU and the IRFU in terms of, you know, was there alignment across the organisations between the coaching staff, the medical staff and the SNC staff? You know, was, was there any instance where there was, as you say, uh, you know, a coach dictating the return to play protocols? It's hard to tell because you, you don't see the specific conversations. Mm. You don't know what's going on in the background, but there was definitely, now I'm not talking with concussions and talking with injury in injury, general, yeah. there was yeah. definitely pressure put on the physios to get players on the field when mm. they weren't right in the Premiership, but right. definitely was, yeah. Okay. What's, what's your thoughts on, are there any long-term health risks, do you think, to, to your health or your your well-being from multiple concussions? I'm sure there are. I mean, obviously, that friend of mine has, he, he had post-concussion syndrome and then another guy I played with, his coach at Bristol, Jonathan Thomas, mm. he, he ended up with epilepsy, I think, or he was diagnosed with epilepsy from repeated concussions. Mm. So, yeah, there is. I mean, there is definitely, definitely has an effect on, on certain individuals okay. afterwards. From from a personal protective point of view, in terms of sports equipment, what's your thoughts on you know the scrum caps and uh, gum shields and stuff like that? Do they protect in any way? Do they stop you from being knocked out? Or what's I, your thoughts? I think gum shields protect your teeth, <laughs> and um, I think head guards were brought in when people used to be able to rake <laughs> to protect <laughs> your head. Like I'm not sure how much they protect against concussion. No, and. I think exercise is probably neck strengthening and different things are, are I mean, I don't know enough about it, are mm. possibly going to help from concussion, but I can't see, I don't think any hair gear or gun shield is going to help you. Okay. From the game itself, uh, looking at it, do you think there's any kind of law changes that could be introduced to reduce injury risk, concussion risk? Is there any changes that could be instigated to mitigate against those two? Obviously not going to get rid of it, but we can maybe reduce it. Jeez. Like, I mean, they have reduced the height of the tackle. Mm. It's a hard one, like. Mm. I, I, and, like, you're not allowed to grab around the neck at the, at the rock either. Mm. So, I mean, I think there are two pretty good rulings. Mm. Um, you know, rugby's just such an attritional sport. Mm. And the level of athlete you have in it now is... is I mean, I've, I've been back to games... And I'm looking at it going, jeez, like, you watch it on TV and think I could still play, and then you go to a live game and go, if I was asked to play, I'd do a runner. So yeah. it's the level of athlete now, is, uh, um, the collisions is, yeah. is so high that it's, obviously, they've put those rulings in to try and protect it, but I don't think you can avoid the concussions yeah. are going to happen. I just think the understanding around concussion and, and where the game is at mm. is really important because you get a lot of coaches that maybe played in an era where it was soldier on and, yeah. and, and they think we were tougher in our day but the reality of the situation is they weren't half as good an athlete mm. they didn't play anywhere near as physical a level mm. and if they did they wouldn't have survived yeah. so I think it's it's getting people to understand that the the game is just at a level now of yeah. athleticism and collisions that it's never been at before. Uh, just a couple of final ones for you. Like, do you think you know club owners can do anything to reduce injury risk, or do you even think that they have a responsibility around that? Yeah, I think they do. 
I think um, if you look at the way the RFU and the SRU are the governing bodies, and you know, with everybody centrally employed, mm. if the coaches putting pressure on a physio, they're going to be held to account by RFU. So I do think in the French and, and English clubs that the owner has a responsibility to hold somebody to task if there's mm. pressure put on the medical staff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. John, listen, um, thanks for that. Great chatting to you. You know, it's, it's been a while, but great, great to chat, great to chat, great to get your insights, particularly when you played kind of, um, you know, across the pond and here as well. So really appreciate your inputs. And no, that's perfect. No, I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Right, awesome.